The Mental Rep. <laughs> Welcome back to The Mental Rep, district podcast for all things regarding training, nutrition, and recovery. I'm your host, Jorge Diaz, strength coach, fitness coach, here with my co-hosts. Scott Gunter, sports performance. Daniel Boulay. Neil Portolano. Well, gentlemen, how are you guys? Doing well, man. Yeah. Sports performance is not my last name. I thought we were saying what, what we do. Um, I coach. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So Very how are you good. guys? Sorry, guys. If anyone's listening and I'm drinking water, I'm, on, I'm doing a water cart right now. So oh. got to make got to make weight for my meat. So I got a whole <laughs> <laughs> gallon. How many gallons have you gone through um, the last day and a half? Um, this is going to be my third one. I got to drink four gallons. Whoa, whoa, whoa. four gallons? Two gallons. You normally two gallons. drink four gallons? Two gallons, two gallons a day. So it'll be four gallons by today. Wait, why are you drinking this much water? Because I'm trying to, you know, pee and lose water weight. Oh, so you're doing a water cut? Yes, sir. Uh, so what's a water cut for those of those listening that don't know what a water cut is? I usually ask Dan for a little template. So I think he can go into, um, into that for you. I just steal it offline and hope for the best. No, honestly, a water cut is essentially like trying to get your body to increase um, just overall urination by turning off the hormone, what, um, the antidiuretic hormone. Is that right? Antidiuretic hormone? Oh, yes. So anti-peeing. Okay. So turning off the antidiuretic hormone to allow your body to excrete the excess water weight so that if, you know, somebody's hovering two to three kilos or like 46 pounds over like their competition weight, it's going to give them the opportunity to help lose a little bit of that extra weight to make that weight class for any weight class based sports. We should also mention that he's actually competing and he's not just doing this for fun or for so-called fat loss where a lot of people- Oh, no, no, no. It's oh, all my gosh. The juicy <laughs> stories we have for that. Wait, so you, you're going to get regain that weight back, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. quickly. You should gain it back within a couple hours. Mm -hmm. if, mm. So it's not a permanent change. It's just for the sake of weighing in at a certain number and then continue mm -hmm. on with- What are you doing, Olympic? Olympic weightlifting? Olympic weightlifting, yeah. Uh, and that's yeah. where you curl as much weight as possible with your arms? Yeah, strict. strict. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually an overhead deadlift. An overhead deadlift. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. What weight class are you in? I am a 81 kilo lifter. What is that? That's around, I think that's 178, 178 pounds. 178, what are you weighing now? I'm yeah. 179. 182. 182. Okay, yeah. so about three pounds over. Yeah, I'll be fine. What about you, Dan? What do you got going on this week? I'm working. Here, any, uh, oh, it's uh, Eli's mom's 60th birthday party. Mm. She's actually 61 and a half. Her birthday's in August, mm. but because you know the the vid happened in 2020 when it was actually supposed to be her 60th, mm. we ended up pushing it back about three times. Oh, it's finally happening two yeah, years later. Yeah. No, a year and a half. A year and a half. Okay, yeah, so it's not even her birthday, so it's not fun. Uh. <laughs> Just kidding. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Oh, big win, Neil. And Jorge, one of your young athletes, hit a big milestone in weightlifting. Oh yeah, which one? Which one? I can can I guess? Is it Howard? Howard. 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 Yeah, the fifteen or sixteen year old Chinese swimmer who weightlifts. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> next Lu Zhao Jun. Yeah, not even his main lift. He uh, what did he hit? In sport, he hit a he hit a uh, hundred kilo clean, so two hundred twenty pounds. Okay. okay, was it pretty? No. Questionable. But, but did he get it done? He got it done. He got it up. All right. <laughs> On my side, um, we're actually preparing for 
I've got two lifters that are preparing for a powerlifting meet next Saturday. So we spent a big chunk with one of them on Sunday in here. Which meet? Um, the Atalante Classic, I think it is. Oh, he's doing that? Yeah, they're both doing the Atalante Classic. Oh, no shit. I'm going to be there too. Are you really? Yeah. Well, um, Jason. Jason's doing it. Jason's competing. What weight class is he? He is the heavier than Dylan weight class. But uh, 90 kilograms? No, he's, I think, 100. 100 kilograms? No, actually, he's 90. 90 kilograms. 90, he's a 90 kilo lifter. Oh, so they're going to be competing against each other. Oh, nice. Oh, we got two lifters. Oh, this is so exciting. Against each other. Oh, that's so funny. That's so interesting. Yeah, I just picked up Dylan like three weeks ago. So all it really is is just big taper. We didn't get chance to work on technique um that's something that for those of you listening i advise you not to do is change your technique when you're so close to a meet uh the goal that you should have is just to get there healthy and safely um and then think about making technical changes afterwards so right now dylan's actually uh facing somewhat of a hip injury um i guess it happened some point prior to us getting started but um i think we've narrowed it down um both of you guys kind of helped me out with that. It's something to do with his external rotation. And I'm pretty sure he only gets into external rotation, hip external rotation, when it's off the ground. And I think at that point, it's just kind of unstable and it might be causing some irritation. What do you guys think about that? Which hip is it? Uh, it's right hip. Is right. Is right. Hmm. Interesting. I feel like it's relatively common. Yeah. But like relatively common, especially just from the idea, like with the overall body anatomy, a lot of people putting a lot more weight. I think Scott, you went into this on a previous podcast. Did we even go this in a podcast? We thought about it. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of people tend to favor the right hip in pretty much everything they do. Um, they look at your friends when they're standing still, most of them are going to shift into the right hip just because the body feels a little more stronger supported over there. Mm -hmm. I think we did touch on this a little bit based on our internal anatomy. We have more organs, more supporting structures on that right side. We tend to favor that right side. So after however many years of his life, he's kind of developed some postural tendencies over there, but with just the hip, if we're gonna keep it simple, a lot of times that joint is almost a little bit unstable in the front because we are we're um, the hip bone is rotated a little bit. Um, so I find that getting that right glute to fire a little bit, getting the left adductor to fire, it can actually help pull the hips into a more stable position so that when he's at the top and he's in full external rotation, he's not just pushing on the weakest part of, of the front of the hip. I mm. will every once in a while get some issues in the front there too. Um, sometimes your muscles will just guard in front mm -hmm. just because it does feel a little weaker there. So if you really get that right glute firing, just single leg, right glute bridges, and, and sometimes just a, a lift where you're holding your, your hip in the air, just doing a right glute bridge and you're holding, trying to squeeze the glute as hard as possible. That can help it turn off as well. But I like that as kind of a active recovery, corrective in between sets. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to include some of those tips in his next few weeks actually two weeks he's got left so um to segue into that right that like, works yeah yeah to segue into that after his meet like how how do you feel like after you do you compete right powerlifting maybe weightlifting how do you like adhere to a training program afterwards or even just like for people who hit their goals like what's the next thing for them you know well let's take it to the current moment how are you adhering to your program you know now that you're going through the peak you're going through what some would say is kind of the worst of the programming because you're pushing it to higher intensities. Mm -hmm. Now you're looking to hit a weight that you've never 
hit before and what are you doing what are some elements that go into that and how what are you doing to um adhere to the program so that you get those um the outcome the desired outcome that you're looking for i definitely think it's different for a lot of people because one like this is a part of who i am right this is a part of my um my lifestyle i love to train and if i don't train during my like during the day then i just feel like i i feel empty a little bit so to keep my training adherence it's just it's a it's, you know it's a part of me you know what i mean i, I want to train i want to train uh four to five times a week um and I, specifically in like a strength training or a strength sport like weightlifting or powerlifting my goal is to lift the heaviest amount on the platform that one rep so that's what keeps me going or even just um maybe hitting a a rep pr or like a pr in the gym just to you know have more you know keep me keep me motivated you know i i feel like uh i want to always push myself to knowing that there is a lot more left on the table you know um and yeah that's what keeps me going after a after a training block or after like a successful uh, program you know and then maybe i feel i find that sometimes people uh after a competition maybe their training adherence does go down because they don't want it <laughs> they're pretty broken you know what i mean and they're yeah. just like oh i'm too beat up so you're saying that so i'm sure you have some goals set in mind you have any mm -hmm. goals for this meet what do you have uh so i do want to go six for six on my meet i i bombed out my previous meet okay what does bombed out mean and what does six for six mean so six for six means going who is Gamora? <laughs> six for six is, or six for six, nine for nine is just having a perfect meet, making sure that like you hit all the attempts that you, that was planned for in the meet. Um, and then bombing out is when you miss your first lift. If it's, if it's the squat or if it's the snatch and you don't hit any of those attempts, you basically bomb out of the meet and your total does not count. <clears throat> you can also bomb out with any lifts, right? Um, yeah, even if like you go maybe one, uh, one out of three on the lifts for the snatch and then you don't hit your clean and jerk, or it could happen if you don't miss, if you miss a bench or a deadlift and, uh, super total. Yeah. You, you bomb out. Mm. Yeah. And so you, you're saying that you have these, you have any goals? Oh, sorry. Uh, I want to be able to hit 110 snatch and I want to be able to hit 143 kilo clean and jerk so 110 242 snatch which i've hit before and a uh, 143 would be a pr for a clean and jerk that's around 314 315 clean and jerk and this is coming back from prior injury too mm -hmm. well, yeah what, what injury did you have um a wrist or hand injury my dog bit my hand yeah fucking <laughs> kenji man. yeah so yeah um and i was supposed to compete before but, then. but not just a little nip like that required an ER visit, sutures, and yeah, a lot of grip strength that you had to regain back. Mm -hmm. What was the hardest part about going back to the sport after that? Yeah, like adhering after you, you know, you you had to pull out of me. How what was that like? I wanted to like, it just drove me even more to like compete. You know what I mean? It's like, damn, like I'm so I'm supposed to compete this day. I had plans to I'm supposed to compete at the Arnold, and then like now I can't. Uh -huh. And then I was like, all right, well, I got to wait another couple of months to compete. Um, and then just trying to be consistent with my training and just do all the things that I'm supposed to do with recovering my hand so that um, I can train properly and not get injured. That's that's the biggest thing. Mm. So what's sticking out to me from everything you're saying is that you have these goals and that's what's helping you adhere to a program on days that you don't feel like going to the gym, on days that you're busy with work, on mm -hmm. days that you could have any excuse. 
you're not necessarily in the present moment at, at that moment. You're fantasizing the future, you're fantasizing these goals, you have these goals that come to mind, and that's what motivates you when you don't have any motivation to get you to the place that you have to go to, which is to gym, to train, mm-hmm. right? Um, Even like when I'm not motivated, I just feel like I still have to lift. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a part of the way. It's dedication over motivation. Oh, sounds like an addiction. So you're saying it's also like it's my buddy. It's yeah. habitual hmm? in a way. It's, it's habitual. habitual. Yeah. Like it's routine for you routine, to go to the gym. part of my system. Mm. Yeah. But what I was also noticing there is there's a very specific deadline, something that you say, okay, I can grind through this. I can push through some discomfort for this maybe short period of time. And then I have this meet. That's what my peak is. But what comes after that? So if you're training a client, oftentimes we break down their goals into say they want fat loss. Say they ha- say I have an athlete and they have a certain competition at this specific time where they're entering the season at this certain time. They use that that specific time frame as their end goal. I can push through discomfort leading up to that. Do you have some kind of plan for them after that, especially on these clients that are maybe doing weight loss, short-term weight loss, maybe somebody wants to lose X amount of pounds for a wedding, for the summer, for something that's coming up. Do you have something that says, okay, right when you hit that, that's that's your goal, but let's just talk about what comes after that because you are going to be a little bit more intense, maybe, maybe living at an area that's not sustainable year round leading up to that event. Where are we going to dial back to after that, and and how do we get there? How do we talk about that? What kinds of uh, things have you come across with your clients? You know, I love uh, Neil. Actually, you briefly, briefly mentioned this before, and something that I feel like is incredibly important. We've talked about this in the past about behavior change and all of that, but just creating the identity that they are somebody who goes to the gym, that they're somebody who is in fitness, they're somebody who cares about their health, even if they're not necessarily at that point. You know, just getting them to have like feel like they have that level of identity. And I feel like it goes, you know, it's a little different between person to person, but it makes it a lot easier to go from that transition of, all right, I'm going balls to the wall right now to, all right, let me slow it down. Let me pull back, but let me stay consistent with that so they don't fully drop off and rebound. So let me say something that I'm going to regret. CrossFit. Let me explain. <gasps> it's their identity. They, this is something where people... Again, I I have had athletes who have come to me either after training in CrossFit, maybe they've uh, pursued CrossFit as a training method in in the past. I I don't generally recommend it for for athletes because it's not specific. I look at that as your specific sport, and there is a lot of risk involved in it. They are training uh, close to your max recoverable volume, sometimes a little bit over that. But what they tend to do pretty well is you take people who maybe have never worked out before in their lives, or maybe people who are routine enthusiasts, but not somebody who is all about fitness. And then the second they join the cult or CrossFit, they become the community. They become all about it. That becomes their identity. They change the way they dress. They talk about it frequently. They are, all their friends tend to do it. So how do they do that very well? And how do you take a client who maybe has a nine to five, maybe they're an executive outside of here, maybe they have a completely different identity, wife, kids, family, uh, husbands, a bunch of different things going on outside of here. How do you make them take what they're doing in here and build that into their identity so that they have higher adherence? I, I like what Jordan Peterson said about um, asking yourself as if you're a third person, what do you want to accomplish? What how do you want to live? 
And how can you create a schedule so that you can work as optimally as possible to produce that desired outcome? So if let's say you have life goal of buying a house, um, talk to yourself as if you're a third person and maybe you want if you want a mansion, right? If you want a mansion, then that third person would probably need a high lots of income to buy that mansion. That person would probably have to work a lot. A person might need an executive role at a corporate position um, or run a business or whatever. Um, that schedule has to include some form of self-care. So that schedule has to include maybe a 5 a.m. workout. Maybe you have to change the way you live now. Um, it has to include some time for you to work and it has to include some time for you to recovery. And if that's the person that you have to become in order to achieve what you want to achieve, then fake it until you make it like what Dan is saying, fake it until you make it be that person. Maybe you don't have to be that person that's a fitness enthusiast or a CrossFit individual, someone who loves CrossFit. Maybe you could just fake being that future self that you want to be to get what you want. So un until you ultimately do become that person. So essentially what you're saying is if you want to achieve something, you almost have to kind of speak that into motion. You have to wake up every morning and look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm going to live in that mansion someday. I'm going to have a six pack someday. I'm going to be whoever you want to be. And eventually you start believing it and the stuff around you, you start to align yourself with that a little bit more. I think it does. I think the environment that you're in does play a big role with that too. So if you, Again, if you're surrounding yourself by a lot of friends who don't share similar values, then it might be hard because you're leaving your friends to go do your training session and, and work out. And then maybe you're going to meet up with them again. You have nobody who's training alongside with you. And then you meet up with them again and you're uh, possibly eating foods that or, or drink that doesn't necessarily align with your values. If you are with a lot of friends who don't necessarily want the same lifestyle as far as what house you want to live in, what what type of lifestyle you want, whether that's traveling a lot. If you're if you're with a lot of friends who maybe they're just very comfortable with with just being comfortable, and maybe you're the one who wants to live on private jets, or hopefully maybe live on one, but um, I'm say I don't want fly on private jets. A, a lot of times it has to do with your your network. If if you go back to the book that a lot of entrepreneurs talk about and have read called Think and Grow Rich, there are some gimmicky aspects of it, but there are also there is also a lot of truth where it talks about um, one you have to believe it in order for it to happen, but two the people that you surround you with your your mastermind network. You're only as strong as your network. You want to be the dumbest person in a room when you walk in because you have the most growth opportunity. You you don't want to be the smartest person in the room every time. You don't want to be the strongest person in the room all the time. If you go to a gym where maybe you're challenged a little bit, where there is somebody next to you who's lifting more than you, and you get motivated by that and can learn from that person. So either creating that network or environment for yourself or going out and recognizing where things need to change in order to, to align a little bit more with your goals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this way you're set up for success and you can follow your program so much easier. You know, it's all about adhering to a program in order for you to get to where you want to get to. Um, you have to follow the system. And in order to do so, I agree. I agree. You have to surround yourself in an environment of people that, are all on the same path or if not on the same wavelength as you um, first com that comes first. Um, and then again, 
to reiterate fake it until you make it. Mm-hmm. Or number three, set some goals and follow through with those goals and those deadlines. Or um, number four, uh, live that person's life before you become that person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think um, my coach always tells me like the best program is the one that you believe in, the mm-hmm. one that you can adhere to, the one that you're having the most fun with, right? And um, I think Dan has like, you know, we have some clients who <laughs> look so shocked. <laughs> you know, we have some clients that I think um, who want to start weight loss, but their support system isn't there. But then they find, come to find out they have a, you know, they start to have a support system, maybe their friend or boyfriend, um, you know, you might have a story for that. And they start to fall in love with that too. You know, mm-hmm. so like, um, would you say anything that's important about adherence and support systems? Yeah, systems. social systems, support systems. Uh, honestly, yeah, it is important. Like, let's look at um one of our clients, Joe, who initially like he just wants to start working out because he wants to support his girlfriend. He started coming in to the gym with a group, him and two other friends, and then his girlfriend. And the biggest reason was he just wants to support her. Neither of them have been incredibly successful with staying consistent for more than a couple of weeks. Uh, we're currently going on four or five months now of consistently going to the gym from starting with twice a week to now like pushing four and want, talking about a fifth. And part of it is just the fact that he's surrounded now by people who are like also doing the same thing, also working out together, mm. also following a similar program and constantly talking shit about me in a group chat. <laughs> so... Shout out to Joe, Raina, and Pete. You, do. you know, it's again just making it. I love the the book, and we all read it as a team. Atomic Habits. You know, thinking about like the four things that there's steps to make something habit, and make something consistent, make something part of your lifestyle. Is, and number one is make it easy. Um, I forget what the order, but one of them was also make it satisfying. So making it fun and just enjoyable. You know, like you just hit the nail on the head of like, you know, it doesn't matter what the program is. It. It could be 70% right, but if they can stay with it for the long term, they're going to make better gains than the person who's following the thing that is scientifically correct and scientifically proven, but they fucking hate. Mm. So there's the two challenges that I think you've um, brought to the surface when facing, when when trying to adhere to a program. The first one is buying into a program, right? So I think you guys mentioned that. How important is it to buy into a program? And what do you... What do I mean by buying into a program? I mean, like actually believing that the program will work for you. Um, Because one of the elements of of failing to complete a program is not believing in the program. Because you don't believe in the program, you're less likely to follow through with the steps needed to accomplish the desired outcome. So why is that such a problem? How can you overcome it? One thing that I see is maybe just... um an investment okay right so some people will maybe just join a gym right they'll join a la fitness or a crunch but the accountability isn't there right so their adherence to tr- the, the, the program maybe they find online isn't going to be there because no one's pushing them to be like oh i got to go to the gym you know so maybe they're paying like you know planet fitness ten dollars a month right just gonna talk about that. yeah they um i pay ten dollars a month to go to the gym but it's not really setting the expectation or the accountability or the initial investment for them to really go and hit their goals and follow the program because of how small the investment is. Mm. So you're saying actually invest some money. Let's put it this way. With said purple and yellow gym, they would probably be out of business if all of their members were 
compliant and adherent to programs. So they do a business model where it is 10 to 20 bucks a month. Look at the square footage of the place, look at how much it costs to actually maintain that place, uh, keep it running, pay rent, utilities. And Absolute gold mine. the amount <laughs> of memberships that you Absolutely. need at that rate to to actually break even is a good amount and probably a lot larger than can fit in the door at any given time. So if everybody was actually compliant, they wouldn't be able to hold all those people. Mm. So what they do is such a small investment that people like like Eli you mentioned yeah like, don't care enough to cancel that membership and you train or maybe two three times uh in spurts throughout the year leading up to new year's leading up or right after new year's leading up to the summer you have these small little uh kind of seasonal training people they create those memberships and then they keep that membership to go back every once in a while but you don't have that initial investment i i like people um this is kind of blending the investment and also that lifestyle making it your entire life um approach where i like to if i'm starting a new program or if i'm talking to someone who's who's uh, starting that i like them to maybe buy some new clothes that are more athletic based maybe buy lifting shoes if they start to take that next step now you've paid for something that gets you excited to use it gets you more amped to go to the gym and you're now kind of moving your lifestyle a little bit more into i'm a gym goer i'm somebody who your lives. identity i your like identity. that you're I like framing that. your identity mm -hmm. so almost like setting up these little rewards like okay i train i i complete this first block i'm gonna buy this thing i'm gonna complete the second block maybe i buy that next thing that's a little bit more expensive but all those things maybe a lifting belt maybe wraps things like that maybe a research proven supplement something that you invest in that does help you but something that gives you that financial commitment that also gets you kind of motivated to go to the next step um so i wanted to also talk about the psychology behind adherence because i went to the juggernaut training system summit a couple of years ago and uh, dr mike isertel talked all about this in a very entertaining way I would definitely recommend that but he's 22 inch biceps it's massive Absolutely um, massive. It's like bigger than my quad. Except he's half the height of uh, Chad Wesley. Oh, God, Chad um, Smith is like But he, he drew a graph on the board that was kind of talking about people, people think adherence is, is just like this. You get over the initial hump and then you're in it. It's not that simple where, where you start a training program, you're very motivated to do it. You can take somebody who's never trained before and they're like, yeah, I can do four days a week. And you get super motivated and then week three hits and it gets a little harder. Week four hits, it gets a little harder. He actually talks about kind of this undulating curve, like going back and forth where after each cycle, there there's these different periods of time where you might lose adherence and how to address that. So I like to almost have that discussion with clients initially that's that creates those expectations and kind of if you can outline and map and say at this point week week three week four you're going to be feeling like this and then when they come to you and they're like neil i just can't get to the gym today i feel like crap or i'm tired you can point back to it and said well look this is what's actually happening right now but this is what comes next so i just need you to do just enough not nothing here just enough that kind of gets us pushing forward Maybe you do miss one workout every once in a while. Train through that. Pick up on the next workout. Don't try to get all these makeup uh, workouts in. Try to just continue with the program and keep going forward. And then we're going to get to here where you have another burst of energy to move to that next plateau. From there, I also wanted to talk about the dial system. So Precision Nutrition talks about this where 
most people in America, we like to go all or nothing. We like to say, okay, it's it's New Year's. My resolution is to lose X amount of weight. I'm going to dial it up. I am now a CrossFitter going seven days a week, and I love CrossFit. Going to get injured. You're going to hate your life. You're going to quit. What about taking that next step? The dial system talks about different areas of your life, including training, nutrition, recovery, even social aspects where you kind of adjust that dial based on what you can comply with or adhere to right now. So I've had clients who have had pretty busy work schedules and all of a sudden their schedule lightens up. We don't just take a two day a week training and jump that up to four. We'll probably dial that up one to to uh, three sessions a week, and then maybe they're doing a little bit of light recovery work on their own. Even if they're, even if that light recovery work isn't building muscle or, or helping them burn a lot of fat, it's just putting in the habit there that's getting them to create some form of structure on that day that maybe eventually we can convert into something else like a training session. Um, but when people's lives get more busy, maybe they just had a kid, maybe their job is is in busy season maybe they're an accountant and they have to do taxes instead of taking that dial say that's on a five out of ten and dialing that back to zero and say i'm just going to pause and resume at this point talk about what one step back looks like what two steps back look like um they actually have a chart that you could fill out where for each client individually you talk about okay this is a zero for me this is a 10 for me where am i at right now what is one step forward what's one step back and you start there and when that client is ready you dial them up a little bit even with the social support systems or social interactions that could be i'm going out and drinking five days a week maybe four days a week is a dial back maybe three days a week or just on the weekends is a dial back so you look at those different areas you look at what the client's life factors are like what their social support is like and what their time frame is like and really just see what's most appropriate for them and dial them up or down instead of 10 to zero yeah i'd like to think i like the uh, part uh comparison that you ran with an, uh, an accountant someone who's an accountant they're not busy 365 days of the year. But um, one of my guys, he's uh, an accountant working for a big four company. And right now he's working from, he's working like a nine to five. Yeah. You know, like a 9 a.m. to 5 a.m. Oh, busy type of deal. Yeah. Busy season. Yeah. And um, really the best thing that he can do right now is just going out for a walk, you know, making sure that he can get up off of his, out of his desk and just going for a walk. But besides that, getting him to the gym and getting him to work out for like two or three hours because he's doing like a powerlifting program that's and he enjoys it. That's it's not very probable for him. And instead of setting him up for failure and with the false expectation of hey, you have to train to this level, uh, otherwise you won't make any gains. That could be more detrimental in his in the long run than if we were to be honest and say, hey man, it's okay that you only get to the gym once a week. That's that's really okay and. The rest of the days, you're just taking that walk. They even on that um, Dow system for a lot of people, they talk about maybe a one is just parking your car further away from the entrance. So mm -hmm. for him, instead of parking in the first space next to the handicap or and just sprinting in late for work, leave a little bit earlier, park at the end of the parking lot and then take that walk in. For some people who maybe just want fat loss or, or just want to get a little more active style lifestyle, that might be a one for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think that's very important for a lot of listeners is to assess themselves in their situation and realizing, okay, what's that one, meaning the most minimal thing that you can do. And what's that 10, the most extreme thing that you can do, find out where you are from one to 10 and slowly start to crank it up or crank it down 
so that more than anything, you feel a sense of control? So that, that kind of brings us to also with adherence, we were talking about your social systems are important. Maybe having a specific time frame or a goal is pretty important. Um, but what about just, like we said, picturing what the most appropriate level of volume or level of, um, uh, of frequency is for that person. So it's as for us as coaches, again, we, we, study the books. We know what the research says. We know what the perfect program is. But like Dan said, if that's not something that that client wants to do, that's not the best program for that person. So mm. with adherence, one of the most important factors there could be could be the program and how appropriate it is, how realistic it is for that client. Now, we can take that approach and say, okay, we know what's most appropriate for this client, but how do you address the clients that do want to dial it up to a 10 and maybe we know that is not something that they could sustain not something that they would actually adhere to how do you have that discussion with them do you let them try that for a little bit and and then maybe come back to you or do you say no what's most appropriate for you is going to be this amount of times per week this amount of programming this type of nutrition so every every now and then you get those high performers who are rather stubborn and you know as much as, as life is beating them up they don't want to accept it and they don't want to tone back they want to go all in to everything they do and that's great that's great i never want to discourage that mentality but obviously sometimes reality doesn't meet expectation and so i try to set the expectation of Hey, this is really what it's going to look like. Hey, I know you want to lose um, 30 pounds in one month, but you're sedentary. You work from 9 to 5, 9 a.m. to 5 a.m. And you honestly are not in control of what you eat. So the rate of loss is probably, it's, it's, it's not reasonable. Um, they're going to do everything in their power. They're going to be fully committed to a very rigorous training regiment, uh, regimen. Celsius they're not going to need it. And then they're going to fail that program. Sometimes that's really what's needed is just allow them to fail <clears throat> a block <clears throat> when they're reluctant to accept uh, reality. And then just let them come back to you with suggestions on how to maintain something sustainable. I, I completely agree with you. Sometimes you will get that that <clears throat> kickback and sometimes it is most appropriate to say, okay, let's let's try that. And then you revisit, how did you do? How did you feel? What was difficult or why are we back here? Um, I mean, I, I have multiple clients who who do see things outside of here who, who go on TikTok, Instagram, and they come to me and say, well, so-and-so said this and they look like this and I want to just try this. JPG what I find is <laughs> it, it often helps to talk in terms of the lifestyle and habits that it takes to actually get that. Because mm. most people don't, don't see that. You're not going to see the Instagram fitness model who goes on and, and shows you their body and then says, um, this is actually what I do on a routine basis and how I stay here consistently and how many years I've actually done that and follow me for 24 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's some Photoshop. Yeah. There's some, some cuts right before those. Um, we're not talking about that <laughs> and, and some, some water manipulation, sodium carb manipulation right before a photo shoot. But 
oftentimes those are people who, again, maybe that's their full-time job. Maybe they don't have the wife and kids or, or husband kids or, or nine to five AM job. And they can train two days a week or two hours a day. And maybe their meals are prepped for them. So from that standpoint, if they actually wrote down every single thing on a piece of paper and said, this is my life, this is a description of my day to day, this is what it takes to look like that. And then if we handed that prescription, if our clients were being completely honest with themselves and said, yes, I can do that, then they would actually get those results mm. if they were able to sustain that. But most of them, if they're being realistic, would look at that and say, you know what, maybe, maybe that six pack abs is too much for me right now. Maybe I'm happy with being healthier, a couple pounds down and getting better blood work and feeling a little bit better. And then when my life opens up, make a little bit more of a push towards that. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes it just really takes time. And for the impatient person, they're going to give up on the program if the program doesn't reap immediate results. And that is probably more detrimental towards your goal, because if you don't fall in love with the process, then it's going to be, take you a lot longer for you to achieve something if it does take you a lot longer for you to achieve something and you don't fall in love with the process, then you're more likely to quit before you actually get there. It's kind of like that image of the two guys uh, tunneling and they're both trying to reach the destination of a pile of diamonds. And one of them turns back just inches away from striking diamonds, like the pile of diamonds. I was going to say striking gold, but in this situation it was diamonds. The guy at the top, he keeps digging, but he's far behind. Um, I think a lot of us think of that situation as something that happens in moments and brief periods of time, but that actually happens in a long span of time, three, four, six, seven months. I mean, Neil, you had a conversation with a coach when you were trying to build muscle and what was the response that he gave you? It takes time. That's it. Yeah. People are looking for like 22 inch arms and they're looking for that. And if they don't get it in six months, they're so upset. And they abandon ship and they don't want to do the same thing over and over again. People don't get the washboard abs in one month and they just quit and they just never get to that point. But the person that just falls in love with the process makes it a lifestyle. You know, they just kind of, they, they, they do what needs to get done and they follow the program day after day, week after week, month after month. They're the ones that get to that point that you become, you start to post a little bit more on Instagram, you know, and you're like, oh, look at these abs. Yeah, I think uh, Dan referenced the book, Atomic Habits. Um, and one of our good friends, like, he also talks about it, how since he runs, like, it's it's boring for him. You know what I mean? It's boring, but, like, he loves it. And I think to be to adhere to something, like, you have to be okay and have that piece that it's going to be boring. You know what I mean? It's going to be part of my ritual. It's going to be part of my day. Like, powerlifters squat bench dead that's it you know what i mean maybe they do some variations but they fall in love with it because it's you know they get stronger but it's boring they have to be at peace with that so i think with when it comes to like adhering to a program following it you have to be at peace with knowing that it takes time and it's going to be a little boring it's going to be mundane but you know the little things that come with it are the strength gains maybe the fat loss maybe the changes in habits um and those are the little things that keep you going to keep you following that program well, yeah, let's, let's talk about most people don't start a fitness 
journey because they're like, I really want to enjoy the journey. We think about the destination. We exactly. don't get in a car and yeah. say, actually, I do. I enjoy it's driving. <laughs> most people don't get in a car driving to Disney and say, I, I can't wait to spend a couple days in the minivan. We say we're getting to Disney. If we're talking about climbing a mountain, if you're at Mount Everest, you don't start at the bottom and then tomorrow expect to be at the top. What we're talking about with most of these clients that try, they want the 22 inch arms and then they give up. They climbed a little bit up the mountain. They didn't see results and they just like skied back down and start at base camp. So if they want to climb that mountain again and get that goal, they have to start from the bottom and kind of continue their way up. The people who actually make it to the top, they go through some, some tough times. They go through some devastating times. Some people have lost their lives, not saying that's with training, but you have to go through some hardships, but you also stop along the way, create a base camp and acclimate to that area. Mm-hmm. What we're just saying with training is don't go all the way back and start from zero, like set up your, your make some progress forward, maybe in one year, make a good amount of progress and then set up that base camp, make that your normal. And then look at when the weather's nice, when that next time to uh, push forward is, and eventually you're going to get there. Um, I, I worked with a, a client at um, the first facility I trained out of, and this guy must be in his mid-50s, probably looks like he's in his low 40s, has big arms, to my knowledge, never took steroids. Um, but he's just a happy guy, trains all the time. And uh, another guy who was in that fitness class looked to him, and he was a little overweight, and he said, you must work out like five to seven times a week. You must eat perfect. And he's like, no, I just have been he's like i train three days a week i do full body i've just been doing it since i was 18. Mm. and he kept chipping away at it and you make that subtle progress and Mm. you make it a lifestyle and you just make it something you do it's always easier to maintain than it is to start from square one and then push forward so even when it comes to goals take some steps forward don't go back to the bottom of the staircase. Maybe take one step back, maybe settle in on that stair and then climb when you're ready it's easier to maintain than start over (laughs) Imagine starting over on a fitness journey over and over over again, over again, when you could have just kept doing the damn thing and have maintained progress and then added some progress every now and then when time clears up. Mm -hmm. To end it, what would you, how would you help the person that does follow the program to a T, right? And they have a set goal. Maybe it's like for a bodybuilding show or they want to lose weight for a wedding. Now, after that, after they hit their goal, like, and they're like, what's next? How do you keep them entertained or how do you keep them motivated? Even if they hit their goal, I would have them talk to coach at district dash training. Shameless.com. <laughs> shameless plug, shameless plug. Um, reset those new goals. You know, mm-hmm. I usually, let's say, so for example, for Dylan and Margaret who have a meet coming up May 7th, um, I already have a plan of action for the week after the meet, which is to do nothing. You know, um, they've invested so much time, so much mental energy into preparation for this meet that it's time to just de-stress. If you want to go fool around in the gym, do something. Just It's like my coach told me, just don't do anything stupid. Don't get hurt. <laughs> don't get hurt. Yeah, don't get hurt. Yeah. Don't do something stupid. But, you know, just do whatever you want. And then afterwards, let me know what you want to do. That's exactly what Soya said. Dr. Soya said to me. Afterwards, let me know what you want to do. And then... Once you have those con- that conversation with your athlete and they let you know what you want to do, um, set that as either your long-term goal or short-term, as your long-term goal, and then set some short-term goals along the way. Mm-hmm. Scott, how and would you- I, I would say the person who does stick to a program that religiously and 
gets all the way through, hits their goals, they might be the person who already has another goal after that, um, just based on that personality type. So some people might need that guidance where you pull them a step back and, and you you say, okay, this is what we're doing after. Maybe you're just focusing on this recovery period. Um, for a lot of athletes coming out of season, we touched on this a little bit before um, in the last episode, but there is a period of time where I'm actually programming in a like off-season recovery regen deload period of time where they're actually doing something that's scheduled. So keeping a little bit of structure there so they don't go from super structured, I got all the way here to... I have zero structure and that's that's a pretty dramatic shift. So just turning the dial down. Turn the dial down to a to active recovery, something that is still structured, but is allowing them to fully recover in there and then taking those next step forward, uh, steps forward. For them, they might hit that goal and then they want what's next. They're they're still hungry. They kind of figure, okay, I got this PR on this meet. I want to look at this meet, but at least get them so your next starting point is not at the bottom of the mountain. Their base camp should be much higher for that next starting point. Actually, one thing that, you know, as we're kind of talking about this, and they really thought about two specifically, but, you know, something I may start implementing in is just getting them into the environment of what their competition is. So, for example, like powerlifting is incredibly boring to do day in and day out. Um, no mean? offense to powerlifters in the sense of, like... Yeah, you're doing the same li- three lifts every single day. And Olympic weightlifting is not much better because we're doing the same two lifts every single day. <laughs> Losers. So, but I, I found that a lot of my athletes that have competed kind of hit that lull of, all right, you know, they, they drop off for a little bit because they're kind of bored. Um, they're kind of burnt out. They're kind of <clears> tired. Is put them back in the environment of a competition. Put them back in, like, have them as a spectator watching one of the other athletes oh, yeah. compete. I like that. Where, like, you know, I'm going to use one of our clients' uh Dr. Kurt as, you know, one of our powerlifters who is an incredibly strong guy, but for a little lull when he was transitioning for a new job, he was having a hard time getting motivated. He had the time, um, it was just the motivation and it was relatively inconvenient to get to the district. But, you know, after he watched one of our other athletes, Amaria, compete recently, I don't think he's missed a training day since. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. Part of it is like just having that, oh, wow, I'm, I'm excited. I watch this. I can see like, hey, like how much fun this is again. Mm. And just plugging them into that environment of and having that visual of I want to do this again. Yeah. like Kind of like watching YouTube videos on powerlifting meetings or yeah. watching your favorite powerlifter just to keep that identity, sense of identity going. That, like that, watching uh, a Marvel movie and then you just want to do martial arts everywhere. Shanky. Literally. <laughs> the one thing I was talking about with Dan the other day when I was maxing out um, was like, yo, we should do Big Friday. Right. And they're like, what's big? He's like, what's big Friday? What's big Friday? Anything you want. Yeah. I think I just make these names of like certain things and I'm just like, it's whatever you want. But what is big Friday? I want to go. Yeah. Right. You should be like, what is that? So usually it's like a weightlifting thing where a lot of, um, you know, usually on the last day of their training week, they'll go a little bit heavier. Right. It could be like on a variation. It can be on a squat. It can be on anything, but that's just like something to keep them going and adhere to the program. Like, oh, I'm looking forward to big Friday, you know? So it's like, you know, we do big Friday and we get people to come in. Clients, oh. and it's like, oh, it's the last day of the, the, the week training week. You go a little bit heavier. Let's let's set you up in the environment to have you succeed oh. and just get you pumped up, you know? Yeah. Kind of like so, send it Saturday. At it's, the district. Like, it's like a send it Saturday. But, you know, you know, during our open gym from nine to usually one to two p.m. on Saturdays. Uh, 
Pa pa. Twelve Latel Road, Unit Four A, East Hanover, zero seven nine three six. Yeah. So I think just like Dan said, putting yourself into that environment, mm. and you know, you can find a lot of success with you just st- staying with that program. Make it social. Make it social. Setting mini goals or mm-hmm. almost like a super micro cycle in that whole meso yeah. macro cycle leading up mm-hmm. to a meet. You have a mini goal to hit. And you look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, like you were saying with the Saturdays. I think we have people maybe training in the gym, and it's like maybe okay. There's there's some big lifters in on Saturdays. I want to put up bigger numbers than I did last Saturday. I want to um, be in that environment, and um, you you almost get fired up for it, and you have that mini goal that keeps yeah. you moving forward. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. you're wearing like your new squat shoes. You're wearing your singlet. Your you know, singlet. you get you get wearing into your singlet it. Out to the yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you see that you're 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 rival squatting 405 so you decide to put 405.1 you smell some ammonia and you're just ready to go no it's similar to like i'm wondering is that like when you're writing my program why like my heaviest day heaviest fuck uh competition day is on my day five yes that's why oh it's so interesting because i was wondering i'm like wow this training block i've been really consistent other than those two weeks where like my hip was just giving me a lot of discomfort no he this is what he does does day one and then he kind of mingles around the week and then he hits his last day (laughs) <laughs> i'm just like all right bro me too. Whatever literally works, every single day ask ask me if i want to snatch <laughs> i know that's well, not in your program oh it is every single day four out of the five days would you like to see yeah i believe you. he believes me but not the way he's doing it no no, no look look see there's there's tall snatch snatch and no foot snatch um some dhp shit i think what i'm gonna start doing i think what we're gonna start doing is just fading out yeah, doing fade outs, no actual closing, not just closing out. But yeah, I think that's, that's just, just you're just kind of like talking. The mental rap. <laughs>